Hello and welcome to the Maidcast, the official podcast of the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment, a series of lectures on video game history as part of the Maid's ongoing effort to preserve history through teaching and displaying playable exhibits of rare games and consoles. While life in a time of COVID has forced us to close our doors, the support of people like you has allowed us to continue to bring history to you through lectures like the one you'll hear in a few minutes. I'm Anthony. I'm Chen. I'm Red. And I'm Miles. Today we sit down with Brendan Anderson, technical sound designer and composer over at Crystal Dynamics, who most recently worked on uh, Marvel's Avengers. We talked to him about his journey through uh, the game design sphere, his path, his process, and because we ran very long, uh, we split this into two parts, and the second part we get into uh, dynamic audio, which he is uh, very interested in. But yeah, first, it's a very interesting. It's a very in- interesting conversation that we had, uh, and we recommend you guys stick around for both parts because he's an interesting person with an interesting story, and his uh, process and talking through dynamic audio was really awesome and eye-opening. Absolutely, but first, it's E three, so you know what that means. And do 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 list it off. List well, it off. List all the rain. A <laughs> lot of stuff happened uh, over the past week. Uh, so let's just run down the list. Elden Ring. Everything happened. Everyone's very excited about Elden Ring. It's coming January 21st. We saw a trailer. It looked good. Back for Blood from the the makers of Left 4 Dead 2 is coming October 12th of this year. I'm very excited about that. Avatar, the blue ones. Uh, it's a game coming out next year. Stalker 2. Very excited about that. April 28th of 2022. Redfall, which looks kind of like Left 4 Dead, but with vampires and magic and things. And robots, Mm. I think. The trailer looked weird. I, I was very it, excited about it. It looks very interesting. Yes. It's from Arcane, which is one of my favorite studios, and it's coming uh, summer of 2022. Basically, the biggest thing that we got so far this year out of E3 is all the fun stuff is next year. <laughs> most most of the fun stuff is next year, but there's still a lot of good things that we had. They announced the Outer Worlds 2. We have a Borderlands spinoff game and live action movie. Uh, Solar Ash. Uh, is uh, was that the same dude that made uh, Hyperlight Drifter in Heart uh, Machine? Yeah, Solar Ash Kingdom is from Heart Machine, which is a small indie studio, and they previously made Hyperlight Drifter, which is a really good. I love uh, that game. Yeah, really good sort of two uh, D plat or not platformer like uh, side scroller and uh, beat 'em up. Great aesthetic. Yeah. I loved it. It's fantastic, and then so big things for this year. Right, uh, Battlefield 2042 in uh, end of October. Metroid Dread, first 2D side-scrolling Metroid in over 19 years. Uh, coming this October, it looks fantastic. Um, as far as Bethesda's concerned, Starfield, November 11th of next year. First game using their new engine. Looks amazing, and it looks like a spaceship switch switching simulator Uh, it looks pretty sweet (laughs) and then we also have square enix babylon's fall we got a lot going on it's going to be a pretty fun pretty fun lineup for coming and i think we can talk about some of our favorites once we get into the next part of the interview in the recording. So next episode we will get into more talking about what we personally enjoy about this list and what we're most looking forward to. But before that, 
let's get into the first part of our interview with Brendan Anderson. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Maidcast. Uh, I am Red and we are here with Chun and Miles today. We are going to be interviewing the wonderful and marvelous Brennan Anderson from Crystal Dynamics today. Uh, welcome, Brennan. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, very happy to have you on today. Um, Brennan has been working at Crystal Dynamics as a sound designer and uh, audio producer for a few years now, and we are here to kind of pick your brain and talk about uh, dynamic audio in games yeah. uh, as we are all uh, looking to try and break into that field. So Awesome. Let's so how about you start out on what inspired you to go to game audio? What made you want to pursue this as a career? Yeah. So it was probably when I was, well, I don't even remember how old I was at this point. It was like, I was either between nine and 12, I guess. Um, and I was playing Final Fantasy VII, <laughs> and, <laughs> which is where, I don't know, maybe 60, 70% of millennials who do game audio start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I, I was just, I mean, obviously Nobuo Uematsu is, is one of the best composers I think in our lifetimes. Um, but it wasn't just him. It was kind of, it was, you know, that perfect storm of mixing sound narrative, um, and visuals, uh, it just, you know, blew my mind back then. And, and I remember thinking like, uh, I mean, like obviously, you know, start crying when Aerith's theme came on and, all of that <laughs> and thinking just like man like you know having this realization that it does it didn't just exist out of nothing that you know people actually created this and it was like this gift that they were giving to the rest of the world and i was just like ah i want to do that right like i want to be a part of that and so um I started to first write music um, and then uh, for a few years did that. I think I remember my first, the first piece of music I wrote was actually for my mom for Mother's Day. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, cause it, it, it was just right around the corner. I was like, oh, she used to play piano. I'll just write a little thing for her on the piano. And, and I did. And then I just kept doing it. Uh, never, ever stopped. And um, so, you know, started taking music composition lessons and stuff like that when I was a teenager, uh, you know, took all the classes I could in high school. Um, I actually was going to go to college for music, but I decided against it because it was very expensive <laughs> is one reason. <laughs> but also um, I was just like having more fun doing it on my own and exploring the game side of it than you know, if I were to go into music education, it would have been more like theory and film score mm -hmm. and, and just like deeper study into classical musicians, which is great. But I was more interested in studying Nobu Uematsu, Koji Kondo, and and then, mm -hmm. you know, you know, starting to look into the more modern American uh, video game composers. And, um, and so I ended up, uh, I think I went to like a semester of college and dropped out, uh, moved to San Francisco went to Pyramind um, mm -hmm. to do uh, study music production. And then, um, you know, after that, because my um, my teacher there, Matt, 
uh, actually knew some guys at Disney. He was in a, a an '80s cover band <laughs> with with some uh, guys who worked at Disney, and so uh, I got an interview there and started working at Disney Interactive in uh, 2000. What was it? 13, I think. Nice. Uh, something like that. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of where my career really started. You know, I had I had tried to do some indie stuff before that, but. Uh, with varying success because it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thus but then the indie market. Yeah, but but at Disney, I really got started uh, doing technical stuff like technical sound design and implementation and stuff like that. Um, to the point where like I actually like before I started studying at Pure Mind, um, I was just on the path of I only want to do music. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to learn any programming. I don't yeah. want to learn implementation. I just want to write cool music and, and then let other people handle it. Um, when I was like 18 or 19 and studying, uh, my cousin actually challenged me on that. He he was like, yeah, you know, I, I don't think you could do it anyway. I think, you know, we were talking about programming. And he's like, if you were just going to try this, like it would take you at least three weeks or something like that. Like some absurd amount of time that was like way too long for what we were talking about. Cause like I was starting to be interested in like, well, what if I like put the sound in the game, but then changed the sound based on, you know, what the players are doing. Um, and so he challenged me and, and I actually like a few hours later called him and was like, I did it. <laughs> um, nice. Proved you wrong, brother. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was something really simple. I think it was like uh, playing different versions of a sound effect when the sound played over and over again. Oh, um, okay. So, like a like yeah. a randomization or yeah, exactly. Just okay. randomizing the sound and um and I mean that was before I knew what Wise was, right? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> you know, and um uh, so I was just trying to do it myself from scratch in Unity, and um, for some reason I just fell in love with it, right? Mm-hmm. So I started just you know thinking about more and more about how technology impacted music and sound design. Uh, I got a little more interested in sound design as well, um, and then just started studying as much as I could. I started learning all the middlewares and, and all of that. So then, by the time I got to Disney, I, I you know had all of these technical skills, and, and that was one of the big reasons they hired me, um, okay, uh, because they were just starting to have the sound team do their own implementation, and so I was going to come in and help with that, and um, I did, but eventually. Uh, because my manager there knew that I was, you know, really, really into music as well. Um, he ha- actually had me start writing music for games. Uh, and I think the first one I ever, I did like some reorchestration work on Where's My Water 2. Okay. Um, and then, uh, you know, after doing a few of those, he was like, <laughs> he came to me and was like, okay, look, we're making this Star Wars game. These are all mo- mobile games. But he said, we're, we're making this Star Wars game. I don't know if I'm going to have enough time to write the whole soundtrack. So uh, just as a backup, why don't you write one piece of music? Um, and so I did. And I, I spent so much time just like at home at night, like with getting no sleep, writing that and uh, gave it to him. And he's like, oh, that sounds really good. Uh, and then I think a few days go by and he's like, you know, I'm still running out of time. Why don't you write another one just as a backup? Uh, and I was like, OK. And so I wrote another one and then another one, another one. And then eventually I had 
written all the music for the game. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, how we, that's how we got you. That's how we got you there. Yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> so so yeah. So that's really where my career doing music for games um, took off, and then. So I, I worked on a bunch of mobile games at Disney. I think um, awesome. in, in total, we released like 30 of them that I had worked wow. on. Um, like I think half of them I did music. The other half I just did implementation and sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, then um, after that, I left Disney and went back to PureMind to actually work on their production side. Uh, worked oh, awesome. on a bunch of VR and indie games there that were really cool. Um, and then... I went to Crystal Dynamics after that because I had always wanted to go into AAA games. Mm-hmm. Um, and Crystal Dynamics wasn't doing any music. Uh, it was just doing implementation and sound design. But um, I was always you know, keeping my eyes open, uh, my ears open for an opportunity. And in the first level of the game, there was this arcade section. Mm-hmm. And uh, I you know, had... had really really become passionate about writing retro style music both 8-bit and 16-bit snes type stuff and so i said let me just write some stuff for the arcade and they're like, okay and so i wrote like three or four tracks and they put them in the game and it was awesome so i have music in in a triple a game too so in avengers that's, yeah that's fantastic congratulations yeah, so, on that yeah thank you so that's just kind of a, a broad overview of my career yeah <laughs> well that that sounds that sounds like a like a dream path. I mean, just like getting to work in a lot of different sections and yeah. just kind of making connections along the way. Yeah, um, yeah. It it sure it it definitely wasn't a straight path whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. it, windy and had no idea where it was going at points, but uh, yeah. it, it it was fun. It is. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> uh, would you would you like say to other people that uh, is make sure that you're enjoying yourself while you're doing what the work that you're doing or I think do you think that that's a big part of it or can you get lost and kind of like lose the enjoyment after like yeah. burnout? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, burnout's a big thing. So I, I say, I would say that um, just in my experience, the nature of kind of not knowing where you're going next and what, what you're necessarily going to do, but uh, doing audio and and just music and sound design uh, is enjoyable for me. Like I enjoyed every bit of it Uh, where burnout really became an issue. I mean, there are a couple of times at Disney when, Mm -hmm. you know, you're working really hard and then uh, you got to take a, you got to slow down a little bit. Um, But it wasn't as much of an issue until I got into AAA games. Uh, And now this, I know this isn't going to be the, experience for everybody i mean i know people who work in indie games who get burnout as well Mm -hmm. but like um for me everything was kind of shifting so much that i didn't feel burnt out because like you know i would be on a a new project and then it you know get reinvigorated but in triple a games you know i spent the last three years doing pretty much the same stuff you know Mm -hmm. different different sounds but same kind of stuff and um just the amount that I had to of work that I had to put in, I think really caused some burnout and to where Mm -hmm. I had to like take three weeks off and I started just taking Fridays off and uh, I would be less productive and stuff like that. So I think one thing for people to know is that while yes, this is a passion for 
probably everybody doing this work. It is still work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just because you're passionate about something, just because you love it and enjoy it does not mean that it is not difficult and that it is not, it can't cause burnout because it can. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely enjoy it, but pay attention to how the work makes you feel and mm-hmm. how that work makes you feel over a period of time because that's really important. Okay, cool. Thank you. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a definitely, I think more people in many asset, many facets of life can listen to that uh, alongside of anything. Um, uh, Chun Miles, do you have any questions for? Yeah, me right I now? probably maybe want some a little bit more explanation to our listener who may not be familiar with audio production. So we we probably know about composers, we know about uh, sound designers, but people probably have some. Um, they probably need more understanding about technical sound designer, which is a little bit different with just sound designers. So uh, would you mind explaining? how much different is between these two jobs and how far will uh, technical sound designers goes into the game engine side or just the middleware side compared to the sound designer? Yeah, I was actually um, kind of ruminating on this recently and, and talking with a colleague about it. And um, because I, I would describe myself in what I currently do as a technical sound designer. Um, and what a technical sound designer is, is really the kind of um, the go-between uh, from audio and engineering, right? Um, or you could say they're the liaison, but uh, really what their job is, is to be an advocate for the audio team. Um, and make sure that all of the audio team's needs are fulfilled in terms of whether you're doing implementation, scripting, programming, to make sure the audio plays correctly, um, but also to be a good citizen for the game and to say, well, you know, here are the audio team's goals, and here are the goals of the game. How can we make them work together to achieve something great? And sometimes that means, um, you know, collaborating with the engineering team and saying, uh, we need this tech so that the audio can do this. Uh, sometimes it means working with the artists and saying, hey, you know, what does your pipeline look like? And can we use that to influence audio? And can audio influence that? Um, and kind of negotiating with all these different people and, and, and seeing how your pro the audio team's processes and their processes can can work together. Um, so on a very kind of uh, practical level, that looks like um, saying like, "Hey, so here's your animation system. Here's what the you know uh, audio team wants to do. They want to um, play a sound effect whenever the boss enemy does this animation when they smash hammer on the ground. Um, what?" kind of limitations does the animation system have they'll tell us and then and i might go in and dig into the animation system and create events or create uh or make code or whatever to be able to let the sound designers say play a sound when this animation event starts happening stuff like that um so some places have 
dedicated technical audio designers uh, versus dedicated just sound designers, where the sound designers will just make sounds um, and they'll record stuff and they'll make it sound really cool in their DAW and sometimes maybe even put it into middleware. Um, then their tech sound designers will go into that middleware and make sure the sounds are set up properly, uh, routed to the correct auxiliary buses, um, you know, stuff like that, and then actually go into the game engine. And if it's visual scripting, say, put a play sound node here and then uh, run all the data into whatever RTPCs you need, uh, or maybe it's doing that same thing, but in code, you know, you're looking through a bunch of logic to find the correct place to make the sound actually play. Um, and then some places like at Crystal Dynamics, we do both. Like all of the audio designers actually do technical sound design and um, regular sound design. Um, I'm probably more on the technical side. I do less of the actual recording and, and the sound design part, but get deeper into the engine. Um, and then sometimes, uh, we, I will get like into the engine part, like how does the sound system, because we use our own proprietary stuff, um, how does the sound system play sounds and can we manipulate that somehow? But usually I'm, I'm working with a like more senior engineer uh, on that kind of stuff, like especially for things like the dialogue system or something like that. If we need a feature change, that's usually someone else, uh, a different engineer who we collaborate with to get that done. That's a pretty good explanation. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, pretty, pretty long. You, 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 you might need to cut some of this nah, down. It's no, it's fine. No, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> no, yeah. not at all. This, cool. this is the this is the juice that we're looking for. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. All, all the little bit of special info that the, re the, the regular public doesn't really get a chance <laughs> to look into all that often. People yeah. need to know more about it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, Sound for Games is so unique and unlike any other form of creation for any other medium. It's so just it's... so often that people forgot about there has to be someone to make sounds for the game and has to be someone to make all the stuff yeah. happen. They, it's just very yeah. minor in the public compared to the visual stuff. Yeah, mm. and and it's it's interesting. Like, we're kind of, you know, uh, I've I've heard many, many people say, if we've done our job right, you won't even notice. This yeah, <laughs> like, it'll just it'll just yeah. feel good. Like the game will just feel good. Um, but like, so we we go so unnoticed. But we, other than I would say engineers, mm -hmm. I I would I would venture to guess that we have to do more work in terms of understanding everyone else's pipelines than mm -hmm. most other disciplines. Uh, that's not to say all of them, but um, mm -hmm. like we have to understand some of the engineering pipeline, animation, VFX, combat design, level <laughs> exactly. design. We, you know, we have to understand all of that to be able to We need put to find a hole so it. that we can put something into it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's a lot yeah, of work. Incredible. But yeah. But we like to be unnoticed sometimes. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> just, just be in the background. It's like, yeah, yeah. that was me. <laughs> sometimes it feels good. Uh, like yeah. a superhero yeah. of the game. A lot of the times it feels good. Yeah. Uh, oh man. Yeah, and 
So any other, uh, what is kind of like your, your favorite thing about working with like, uh, do you work in wise mainly for middleware um, stuff? Or? So uh, currently I don't, uh, because, uh, we use our own proprietary engine. Oh, okay. At, at crystal. Um, I have worked in wise, but I, I guess to kind of like translate it, um, the tools that I use are similar to wise. Mm -hmm. Um, so the amount of time, I mean, there's not that much time in the audio specific tools. I mean, like we do, you know, set the sounds up and do, you know, basic volume and pitch and stuff like that on them. Um, but I, I would say that most of our time is actually in either visual scripting or code, you know, finding the correct places to play the sounds and then mm -hmm. actually an even greater amount of time goes into testing. Um, you mm. know, running the game, finding the part of the level where the sound plays, and then making sure it's all correct. So yeah, and then where uh, does it break, and how do we exactly. fix it? Yeah, so, yeah. So there, there's a decent amount of time in, in things like Wise, but it's not you know, it's not like ninety percent of the time in Wise. It's mm. maybe I don't know, forty, fifty percent. Okay, if that you know. Okay, well. I think it's, uh, unfortunately, we're having to wrap up pretty soon. I wish we had more time <laughs> to talk about this shit, but we'll have to have you back on uh, yeah. in the future if you'd, if you'd, so, uh, if you'd be welcome. Yeah. Um, uh, so if you want to promote anything that you're currently working on and what you've been, <clears throat> any games you've been working on currently, anything you want people to check out where people can find you, contact you. Yeah. Um, uh yeah just check out uh marvel's avengers i uh, put in a lot of work on that so i think it's a fun game um and then uh you can find my my personal stuff on my website brennananderson.com um and yeah that's that's about it all righty well uh brennan thank you very much uh we are very happy to have you on today um yeah and we will talk again and hopefully have you on in the future Awesome. Thank you very much, Brennan. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. We'll see you next time. See ya. And welcome back. Thank you very much, Brennan Anderson, for that thoughtful talk about your journey and how you got your start. And we're, we will look forward to hearing more from you in the future and talking um, with your next interview, hearing more about the dynamic audio. Uh, it's a good one. Stick around for that on next week's episode. But now we need to talk about what we've been playing. So we had all these announcements, but what has everyone been playing? Well, I recently finished up uh, Deus Ex uh, Human Revolution. Uh, I, it I mentioned was, it previously that I've, been, that I've been going through it. It looks pretty amazing. I, I also wanted to say, is Human Revolution essentially what Cyberpunk wanted to be? Uh, <laughs> I don't. Okay. No great I, reaction. I think I got all in. I How very, many times I, do we have I really enjoyed <laughs> Cyberpunk. We're beating a dead horse. It's a good game. I'm sure good it story. is. I'll get it at some point. Uh, <laughs> Human Revolution. I really enjoyed playing, but not because it was good. Hmm. I don't. I. I really. I'm coming down hard against Human Revolution. It was hmm. not a well-made game. Hmm. Like clunky wise or um 
it had a lot of great ideas and implemented none of them well. Hmm. I see. Um, yeah, that does sound like a bit of a hassle. The story was entertaining enough, but sort of dumb. Um, mm. You know, I'm, I'm screwed. I'm, it's 12 years old at this point. I'm going to spoil it. <laughs> yeah. Your, your scientist girlfriend steals your DNA and uses it to uh, make uh, cyber implants more acceptable for the masses. Uh, because previously there was this whole process of, you know, you have to get the implants, but then your body rejects them, so you have to take drugs for the rest of your life. Uh, she figured out a way to, to solve that, but she did it by stealing your DNA. And then she gets kidnapped right at the start of the game, and uh, you get, you know, crashed under uh, rubble and have to get basically superpowers uh, to survive. <laughs> oh, no, you have to get superpowers. Yeah, well, you so get, you know, you get like 90% of your body replaced. You're like, you're like, you're like Robocop at this point. Mm. Um, mm. and then you have to go around uh, sneaking and hacking and beating up thugs and, and figuring out what's going on and finally you figure out that it's the Illuminati yes of the actual always, Illuminati because uh, of course um, of course the Illuminati's behind everything haven't and, you been paying attention and no the writing is is passable uh, hmm. but I've been, I've, I was playing it on stream with my friends and like it was just it was it was too it was too much it was too much to take seriously and mm -hmm. the writing did not support the level of what it was asking for it was asking for you to take it very seriously and be invested in these people and you just you just can't do it <laughs> i see you like and that's that's the thing that gets me about certain games of that uh, like science fiction genre People sell it almost as like a, a like the acting is almost kind of like a teleplay or like a soap opera. It's not, it's not given with like the same heart as you were trying to be like realistic and real world. Mm -hmm. So it, it becomes harder, harder to believe uh, a fake story if they're kind of doing this over emotive kind of play acting. Uh, it it takes it out of. A serious moment when they're trying to do a serious game like that at least for me at some points but mm -hmm. to each their own i mean it, it i've heard it was a fun game from people that i trust their opinion and i'm really interested in checking it out but it, it was entertaining i had a lot of fun with it okay but not, but not because, because it, was it was a fun game yeah <laughs> well no it was a fun game it just was not a good game okay okay it was extremely competent. Like there was, I didn't run any into game breaking bugs. Uh, mm -hmm. Everything was fairly minor. It was just kind of like, yeah, why bother? But you can mm -hmm. still find enjoyment in those games. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Anthony Chun, have you? Uh, Chun, you've been playing. You you let us know before we started that you've been getting into <laughs> you the fighting game genre. Yeah, you won't believe it. It's my first ever fighting game, and I chose it to be Guilty Gear Strive. It's the right choice. The music, it's just different. <laughs> I mean... It's the best. It's the best fighting yeah, music, it, uh, hands I, down. I, I already didn't... I heard about it. I heard people saying something good about it, but I didn't really expect that to hit that hard when I was playing. And being it, a first time for playing fighting games... 
it did feels a little sometimes. Well, it's like now that you can actually be in the same room with somebody, you can go over and couch fight. <laughs> yeah, but but it 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 does take time <laughs> to build up some very basic skills and sense of playing a fighting game, just like just like how people always joke about when you first played uh like let's say an a, a FPS and you just stand there and don't even know what to do and you probably don't even oh yeah know just how to... like aiming up in the sky and yeah. spinning around it's more like that kind of issue when you first get into the fighting game but I think it, it does take a little bit more extra time to learn about how you should play the game mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well I mean here's to your future your future endeavors and I hope your skills ramp up fairly quickly because Guilty Gear is uh, it's quite the game it is quite the game <laughs> yeah uh, but I do have to say right now, I think it might be time for us to wrap up and throw it on over to <clears throat> throw it on over to next week where we can continue talking about what we've been playing and our favorite E3 choices, as well as uh, talking about dynamic audio with uh, Brendan Anderson, uh, who thank you again for coming on. It was a lovely talk and we appreciate you uh, supporting the maid. Uh, but we want to thank you for listening to the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment's official podcast. If you have any thoughts, questions, corrections, or general museum ideas, please shoot us an email at info at themade.org. We'd like to send a big thank you to everyone who donated recently and to our Patreon supporters who keep the maid afloat. Patreon donors get to listen to this podcast one week before it's released on major streaming services, and we'll continue that with future episodes every week. Until then, I'm Anthony. I'm Miles. I'm Red. I'm Chin. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.